I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we recap OU's win over SMU. We also recap the other big games of Week 2 in college football, including an impressive victory for the Longhorns, and we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, September 10th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of September, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best... Now recording this Sunday afternoon, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. And Ted Lehman, the Oklahoma Sooners are 2-0. 2-0, undefeated. Feels good. Feels good? Kind of? Yeah. yeah. There was some... I, it was... I don't know. I I wasn't really sure what to expect going into the game. I, I mean, I think SMU is a good football team. Um, I guess the scoreboard looked differently than I hoped it would, I guess. I mean, that's, we covered. We covered, right. <laughs> great point. Good, good teams win. Great teams cover now. So we'd like to talk about football on here, right? That's why we're here to give you an in-depth recap of what we saw from OU's offense and defense, but the Art Bryles stuff, it, it has turned into a very big story. Ted, what it, uh, I think we got to address it just right off the top. That way we get it out of the way and we can we can talk about what we saw in the field. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know. Josie released a statement talking about they had some type of boundary set. I don't know what those boundaries are. I don't know anything about that. But 
for me, I don't care about it. I don't think, oh, well, I know that Art Bryles has no influence over the players, has no influence over the program. He's not representing the program. He doesn't talk to the players. He doesn't address the team. He doesn't address the coaches. He's not uh, someone that they're asking advice on. He serves no role at all. And I don't have a problem with it. Now, here's my here's my bigger issue. And it's funny that this happened because I was actually talking about it right when the game ended with someone up in the booth whenever we were during a commercial break. I don't think anyone should be on the field. That's for players. I don't even like the go out and mingle and shake hands with the other team. I don't want anyone on the field. To me, that is a sacred space that is for the football team and the football team only. I don't want reporters there. I don't want people there taking pictures. I don't want families there. I don't want anyone there. All it is is they bust open the gates and here comes everyone and it's all about this. Let's take some pictures and selfies out there on the field. I hate it. Hate everything about it. I don't want anyone on the field but the team. And that goes for Art Bryles. That goes for the coaching staff's wives. That goes for the players' families. That goes for recruits and their families. I don't want anyone on the field. And if they would just abide by that, we wouldn't have to worry about any of this crap. That's how I feel about it. That is that is one of the most Ted Laban stances I've ever heard of this. Uh, no, I I hear now. That's probably not a realistic thing that's going to happen, right? So, yeah, from what I was able to gather, right, there was some type of understanding in place that something like this wasn't going to happen, but it did. It's been addressed, right? You heard heard Venables. It's been dealt with, and I would not anticipate it happening again. I know OU fans are really upset. It, it seems like the biggest deal was that he was actually wearing an OU shirt. That seems to be what what really has people has people upset, and I get it. But OU does not support Art Bryles in any way, shape, or form. He's Levy's father-in-law, right? Levy just can't disown the guy. He's his father-in-law. But it happened. It's been dealt with. Moving on, right? Now, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say other other than that. Uh, it's I become totally a huge agree. deal, though. Like, you look at the college football tab on the ESPN app, and Venable's talking about it as one of the main stories on there. Well. So. I, it's It's unfortunate we should be talking about the game. And like you said, it's been dealt with. Not going to happen again, um, and I'm sure that we'll hear more about it as the week unfolds. Yeah, and for those wondering, typically the way it works is, and it's for players and coaches. You get the family wristbands, and then you give them to someone who gives them to people. Like it's not like there's some thorough, thorough list that anyone at OU inspects like, Oh, this person, this person, this person from the coach's family is going to come on the field. Like or at least I don't think that's how it goes. Right. Well, but, yeah, it's just, a, it's just, we open the floodgates. Anyone who, 
It doesn't matter. Just come on down to the field. Who cares, right? We only work our ass off to protect this place. Let's just open the floodgates. Come on. What do you never do on a field? You never walk on a field, right? You never walk on the field whenever you go between the chalk lines. But for some reason, we scrap that shit as soon as the game's over and we dance on the field and we take selfies on the field and we frolic around and we go do our stand-up news shot down on the field. Sucks. All of it sucks. There shouldn't be anyone on the field. As soon as the game's over, the team should jog directly into the locker room and you can do all that bullshit in there. This is the (laughs) most old. We got a massive locker room, a massive weight room. We've put millions of dollars in there. You could have a nightclub if you want. Turn the music on. You want to dance and selfie stick? Go do it inside in the weight room. This is the most old man stance you've ever had. Let's we're moving on. We got to talk about the game before you lose it. All right. Sooners win 28 to 11. What an odd final score. Now, I think everyone would agree the defense outplayed the offense. Therefore, Mr. Lehman, the floor is yours. What did you think about the Sooners' defensive performance? I thought it was pretty good. Now, there's no doubt there was some mistakes in there. Um, I I jotted some of them down, uh, just a handful of plays. Kanai Walker got hit on a double move. Uh, it was pretty good coverage. He was there. It was a great ball down the sideline. We had adequate pressure on the quarterback. They just made a play. And we talked about it coming in, right, that they were going to make some of these plays. Um, You know, they hit an over route on us. You know, the one where Bowman, it looks like he's going to intercept it, and they pick it, kind of receiver comes through there and picks it off right in front of him. Uh, You know, Kanek is low. He's just floating. He should be be deep in that hook to affect that throw. We just had a three-man rush going, and with a three-man rush, we got some decent pressure. Here's the bottom line. 15 years ago, they're carrying that receiver off on a stretcher, okay? That's just kind of the nature of the world we're in right now. Bowman would go and absolutely annihilate that guy, and they'd never throw that ball again. Um, He waited a little bit on it, thought he was going to intercept it, didn't see the player coming across. Good throw. Good catch. Um, they're going to hit some of those. We got to be a little bit better in our underneath, and that's one thing that I, I jotted down. We did. We we rushed three a handful of times, and our our rush with the three man rush was actually pretty good, but our zone drops just weren't. We got eight guys deep. We should be way better than what we are. Whenever we're dropping eight guys, that's something they need to work on. Um, Bowman on the fourth down, you know, they have like a little bunch. They swing out. He's late. I think he got it all amped up on fourth and one to go get a sack on the quarterback and didn't peel on his guy. And he was just a little late on that when they converted that fourth down. Um, let's see. We had had a couple of different things where, you know, Trace Ford got peeled out of a gap on, a, on that long run that Key Lawrence punched out. Uh, Trace Ford got peeled out of there. I thought Stutzman was a little too slow to shoot his gap. Um, you know, there was another a mix up between Key Lawrence and, and Stutzman on on one who was the flat player. They're both kind of just hanging out in no man's land and they hit us on a decent play. 
you know, Canick had the pass interference. I mean, there was some of those, but none of them were really bad. You know, there's just some stuff in there. It it wasn't a whole lot of free runners. Um, just some things that we need to get better on zone drops, whether it's rushing three and dropping eight or just zone drops in, in general underneath the backers. Stutzman was, was, was good. I, he would grade out as good. Canick, uh, you know, he's got some work to do, but even some of the DBs, whenever they're coming up and either playing a hook or being a flat player, we're just, we're not relating close enough to receivers. We're just kind of floating and rounding these drops and it creates windows for the quarterback. And it also creates some of those where they dump it underneath and we missed a couple of tackles that comes from guys floating and rounding off their breaks and they're late and out of position whenever they're going to make those plays. Um, I thought, Another point of emphasis needs to be some of our run fits are still, it's a footwork thing. And I think it's a technique thing. We're kind of soft inside on some gaps. Um, they were, they weren't doing a whole lot in the running game. They had a, a counter play that they ran a whole bunch. Um, that was really the bread and butter of what they did. Uh, just a little soft, a little flat on some things. And they were, they were able to, to find some room to run. Uh, you know, vice tackling, whenever we've got two guys leveraging a ball carrier, too many times we've got two guys coming in and someone's losing their leverage and the uh, ball carrier is able to bounce around. That happened three or four times. Now, here's the good thing. When it happened, it turned into four or five more yards, not 35 more yards. So that's one of the things where you continue to see this defense getting better is even the plays where you have mistakes, the overall result is is pretty limited. Um, I think for the most part, just kind of generally speaking, that's what I saw. Um, pass rush, I thought the pass rush was good. Almost, I, I would, I didn't break it down. By the time I was, I don't know, halfway through the eighty-five snaps of defense, I was like. I really should have like tallied how many times we saw pure drop back with five man protection, as opposed to some type of three step move the pocket or max protect. My guess is we probably had five, seven, five man protections the entire game. And every time we had that, we had pressure on the quarterback without a doubt. Uh, we even had some really good pressure on the quarterback against, um, max protection stuff so even though those numbers aren't there we are providing good pressure on the quarterback and we can talk about that a little bit more um on the back end i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Does that square with some of the stuff that you saw defensively? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, first and foremost, you know, coming in, I was wondering... 
how was that defensive line going to hold up against SMU's run game? Right. We, we talked about, especially the interior of that offensive line, how much we liked it. And overall, I thought, I mean, I thought they held up well. I, I thought they limited the run game, which kind of limited what SMU could accomplish offensively. Right. What they give up 117 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, was it perfect? No. Did it, did you have, Defensive linemen, you know, shocking guys and shedding them and making TFLs behind the line of scrimmage. Not really, but once again, it kind of goes back to what we talked about, about the defense last week, just kind of some boring, effective team defense, right? When it came to stopping the runner, at least that's how I saw it. No, I, I agree. Um, we we are still doing a lot of like movement up front to where those guys are moving flat a lot of times on some of the run game stuff, um, you know, which is fine. It tends to create quite a bit of chaos in there, and, and we fit okay off of it. It just it tends to be a little bit softer right there at the point of attack. But we you know we were multiple. We threw different fronts at them. We played three man front. Um, you know, we would play a three man front with the stand up guy and play it straight up, and then on the snap, you know, move to an over front or move to an under look. Um, we played bear, uh, played a lot of over, played some overload stuff. Um, I think it's it's pretty good, pretty multiple. But, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, on the defensive line, guys that I thought stood out, um, I thought Trace Ford had a really nice game, really nice game. Now, I did mention that one where he got peeled out and, you know, turned into that explosive run that we got the fumble on. But he had a lot of really good rushes. He was super active out there. I thought Luulu was the best defensive lineman on the interior. I, uh, unless you see it differently, I watch it through the lens of an offensive lineman, right, when I'm watching the defense. he He's the guy I would want to block the least. Mm-hmm. Size, length, I've been impressed with the pad level. Like he's, I think he's, uh, he understands like, Hey, he cannot play high, which a couple of the other guys continue to struggle. Like they, and they're not super tall guys, but they play high and Laulu with the length. I, he has been, he has impressed me the most out of any of the interior guys. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, he had a couple of really nice rushes where he's coming around the corner, getting his hips turned really active hands. Thought Ethan Downs had a nice day. Um, you know, he had a really nice effort play that turned into that face mask that was that was frustrating to see. Um, you know, those things are gonna happen. Not a whole lot you can do about that. Um, but you know, as I'm making notes going through there, I, you know, there's a lot of great rush from Trace Ford, great rush from from number eight. Um, you know, I thought a couple of times our guys really battled on the interior against some of those. We we talked about how good their interior was and some of those double teams that they were going to um, throw at us. And, uh, you know, we did get high at times, but other times we were really good, hung in there, able to split those doubles whenever the backers finally came downhill. Um, I thought Stutzman was fantastic. Um, there's still some things, you know, uh, and he'll tell you that, but – He's, it ain't even close to where he was this time last year. Just a couple of plays. The fumble Ruski play, um, 
Stutzman's there. He's pointing it out. He's communicating it to the entire defense. He was on top of it, ran really well, was over there, either made the play or helped make the play. Um, they ran a reverse one time, and here's where you can tell that he's he's getting so much better. The initial flow goes away from him, except there's one puller coming back. And his vision catches the puller, and you can see that he kind of second-guesses it for a second, but he sees the puller, and he waits like everyone else goes, and he waits and kind of second-guesses it, but the vision is there. He's following his keys way better, tackling really good. He's physical. He's running well. Uh, he's he's That was an excellent game. That's probably the best game he's played as a Sooner, and that's saying something. He's stacked some really good ones up. Um, I thought – I thought uh, Billy Bowman played well. He had a couple of really nice plays. Um, he continues to be uh, a really good open field tackler. Come like we ask our guys to come from depth, either half field or even the single high safety, and come all the way up on the line of scrimmage and make a tackle in one on one. And he did that a couple of times uh, really well. Uh, Peyton Bowen, I thought, played really well. He had some really nice plays out there. Uh, he takes excellent angles whenever he's coming from depth. Um, I thought Key Lawrence had a couple of really nice plays. There was some mistakes mixed in there with Key Lawrence, but he also flashed and and made a couple of really nice plays. And um, I thought Kip Lewis also showed up. Didn't play a whole lot of snaps, but his production and, again, factor. That's the one thing I talked about last week, his factor grade. Kip Lewis continues to be really high. Yeah, I thought the Kip played. Uh, I mean, just like you're saying, he continues to show up around the football. Guy plays fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, decisive and fast. That's a that's a good combination of linebacker. Yep. Um, really, just to kind of wrap things up defensively, in my opinion, and then uh, what we'll, we'll open up for conversation with things that you saw, but we are in a really good place whenever you see the first two games and how they've unfolded. Here's what's basically happening. We are, we're stopping the run, but on the, on pass plays, teams cannot get five eligible receivers out. We've played, let's see, 85 and 50, 135 snaps now. And there's probably been 10 of those snaps where they've gotten five wide receivers out, five eligibles out. They have to keep at least one, usually two, in to max protect. So there's only three eligibles out. And when that's the case, we're over and under those wide outs a ton, right? So it's very difficult. If this continues to be what teams have to do against us, we are going to play really good defense this year. And that stems from the good, pass rush that we're getting right now yeah i think the the defensive line has been about what i thought it would be there's no dominant guy right there's no guy that on the tape you go this guy's an absolute problem but across the board kind of in the two deep they're playing at a solid level Mm -hmm. right and i think that's showing up and i think guys I think guys being fresher throughout the game, like it's allowing them to empty the tank a little more. 
right? When they're out there and there, there's a lot of value in that. They've been, they've been good on third down, man. Right? I mean, how many times last year were we saying, please just get off the field, get off the field. And I know that, you know, Arkansas state was what it was, but SMU, this is an offense that's going to score a lot of points this season. Yeah. Just wait. They're going to score a lot of points. So I was I was really pleased, especially with how the offense stalled right in that game, right in the second and third quarter. I like I was really pleased with how the defense didn't let any of that affect them, right? And that's I think that's a really good sign of progress on that side of the ball, man. I was I was impressed, right? Through two games, I, I'm just I don't think it's debatable. The defense has been the strength of the football team. Yeah, I agree. I think they've looked really good. Um, I think, I think they're going to continue to get better. I don't few think penalties, maybe... right? If you're going to complain about anything defensively, the penalties is probably yeah. you want you want to reduce reduce some of those. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, yeah. I. I. Um, I'm just. I'm. I'm really pleased with overall what it's what it's looked like and kind of just the, the way things have unfolded, you know, I, I was just jotting down some numbers here. Um, last night, the stone was 26 of 45. So it had what 19 incompletions and shroud was 12 of 26. So he had 14 incompletions. All right. And, 26 of 45 is pretty – you're doing a pretty good job. And 12 of 26 obviously is excellent. Now, here's the thing. We've heard, like in the first game, people were worried about the pass rush. The pass rush is almost always creating these incompletions. 19 in last night's game, 14 in the first game. Because of – there's nowhere to go with the ball because they only have three guys out. And most of the time we've got six or seven or even eight defenders whenever we've got a three-man rush that are covering those guys. There's nowhere to go with the football. There's been some pass breakups and there's been a couple of drops, but most of this is created by the quarterback being under pressure when he's throwing the ball or having nowhere to go with the ball because they can't get enough guys out. Yeah, and hey, going into the game, we said if – if Stone's got to throw it 40-plus times, it's a recipe for a good performance for OU's defense, and that's – it ended up being the case, man. Uh, yeah, not not a lot to complain about, right? Just so far solid team defense. And Stutzman yeah. kind of emerging as, you know, the best player on the football team, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Preston Stone was 26 of 45. I don't know. What is that? Like 58%, something like that. I don't know. But that's going to, he's going to be a 70% completion guy the rest of the season. That's, that's what he's, you know, whenever they're in playing in the AAC, that's what he's going to do. So that's, that's pretty good. All in all, not a lot of complaints from me. There's some, some areas obviously to improve on, but not a lot of complaints. Yeah. And SMU threw a lot at him. Yeah, a lot, a lot of different stuff, Adam. Again, Anything that's a else? Good football team? No, no, that's a good football team. SMU is a good football team. Yeah. All right, let's talk about what we saw from OU's offense.
But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamore. It's hunting time in Oklahoma. If you're looking to buy hunting property, the land doctors can help you find the ideal ranch. They build custom hunting lodges and lakes and can turn Oklahoma's raw land into your personal playground. If you'd like to sell some land or simply just want to add to your portfolio, then call Colton Cole at 405-615-7645 or visit LandDoctors.com. Yeah, and they just got 120 acres, 10 miles east of campus. How about that? that yeah. Give Colton a call. Nice. And make sure you celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Aleworks, named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score. You can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. All right, OU offense. Just some general thoughts to start before we go position by position. The general lack of aggressiveness and testing them downfield really surprised me. And if you are someone that's saying, well, that's because SMU was playing deep zone coverage and they were making it difficult on you to do that, that's just incorrect. That's not what they did defensively. They gave them a lot of cover one. There were opportunities there. I just don't know why they didn't attack it more. I don't know. I've got no answers for you. Yeah. I Now, there were some looks, some opportunities, and DG just didn't take them or he got a little pressure and just got off of it, checked it down. But I don't know why they didn't let it fly, man. I don't know. Yeah. I got nothing for you. Now, some positives. Took care of the football. Again, no balls on the ground, right? DG being smart with the football in the passing game. No turnovers. It's always a good thing. And then probably the biggest positive from the game. In the fourth quarter, when it got tight, I got a little uncomfortable, right? SMU scores to make it 14 to 11. They needed to put drives together, and they did, right? Go down the field, punch it in for a touchdown. Lashley gambles on the fourth down on SMU's next possession. They don't get it. The offense goes and punches it in, makes some pay. That's encouraging, right? It's good to see them, you know, when they were feeling that pressure to be able to put drives together and to go punch the ball in the end zone. Ted, like that's that's something you can build on moving forward. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it was 
we got tested. We we're in this like real comfortable spot where it just seemed we were being ultra conservative offensively. Then SMU scored, and then all of a sudden, it's like, boy, we better go. And they were able to uh, go out there and put a couple of really nice drives together. Yeah. All right. So quarterback play. Thought it was sound, right? I mean, 19 to 27 for 176 and four touchdowns for Dylan Gabriel. Just kind of managed the game. I don't think he did anything to hurt the football team, which you watch games around the country this weekend. I mean, you could just see quarterbacks could do some serious damage to your football team. Mm-hmm. Dylan Gabriel didn't do that. I I did not think he was as clean in his decision-making in the RPO game. Uh, in fact, I thought he made some poor decisions at times. Deciding to hand it, decide not to hand it. But I still think overall he did a solid job. And then some of those, some of those situations where they're keeping – they're basically keeping seven in protection, right? If they need them. So you'd probably consider it a max, a max protection. It's more of like a slide pro in the back and tight end kind of insert. It's an interesting look, but I thought he could have held the ball a little longer and just seen what happened as those routes, those deeper routes down the field developed. But he he didn't do that. He took kind of some of the easy throws underneath and I don't know. That was just kind of his performance in a nutshell. Just conservative, uh, efficient, but certainly nothing that wowed you, you know? Yeah. No, I I understand. I thought it was it was interesting. I understand the RPO stuff. There was a couple of times where I thought that uh almost got into trouble on some of them, but um that that wasn't as efficient and you know, this is a much better defense faced a a much better defense, particularly on the interior. No doubt. Now, Jackson Arnold, I think you and I both agree, like you want to keep Jackson Arnold engaged, right, throughout the season. He's the quarterback of the future. There's just no doubt. The guy's extremely talented. I, I just do not understand using him the way that they used him. I know we can run. And I know that, you know, they there was the one run. It was really good, right? Showed some toughness, showed some balance. But he's not Blake Bell. He's not a big guy. He's a perimeter runner. He is. He, yeah, it's speed, elusiveness, like get him in space. Using him as a short yardage guy. I just, Ted, let me know if you disagree. I just don't really get it. Like going back to the way we use Blake. Right when we put that package in, Blake was six six and like two hundred and fifty five pounds. Yeah, it's he's a, a big dude. It's a different Jackson dude. Arnold is not that. I, so, I, you know, whatever I saw, I don't get one, it, man. Yeah, when they ran quarterback power in week one, and and it still may be the case. I, I'm thinking, you know, he's not really a quarterback power guy. They're they're building something off of this, you know, like there's going to be some really good play action stuff off of it that they're going to go with. Um, And that may still be the case, but yeah, I consider him to be a perimeter type of guy that you, you want to put people in conflict with his speed on the edge, not necessarily 
overwhelm people. Like you put Blake Bell at quarterback and run power. Oh, because you can overwhelm people at the point of attack with size and an extra gap. Like Jackson Arnold, you want to overwhelm them with an extra extra gap, but you want to put them in conflict with his speed on the edge. And I, you know, I think they'll get to some of that stuff. I just I don't I don't know. I thought that they were like kind of just slowly building on it, but I I don't know what they what they have in mind. I I I agree with you. This is the way I see it. If I'm the defense and Jackson Arnold comes out on the field, right? And you know you're you're aware of what the kid can do. He can really throw it. He's great on the move. He's got good athleticism. Out of all the things I want you to do with him as a defense, running quarterback power is like the number one thing I want you to do with him. Yep. I know where the ball's going to go for the most part. I can live with it. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like all the things that threaten a defense that Jackson Arnold could do, this is the, this is like the least threatening thing he can do. Yep. Yeah. You can do all kinds of stuff on the perimeter. You can, obviously the zone read stuff is good. You can, you can speed option. You can, you know, get him out of the pocket with, run pass threats and maybe they're going to build on that it curious we'll see i'm not yeah. sure I, I mean we'll see but yeah it was a bit of a head scratcher for me as they continued to go to it now running back Tawi walker with a career day 21 carries 117 yards did a really nice job running with physicality really happy for that guy but He's just not that dynamic of a back, man. Now you had the one long run, really good, right? Running through contact, like it's good stuff. There's no doubt about it. But once again, let me know if you disagree. We've seen some really good running backs here. And just no offense to Tommy Walker. The guy clearly puts the work in on the practice field. Like there's a reason he was the go-to back for them against SMU, right? He's earned it, right? But that's he's just not the type of athlete you're looking you're looking to lead Oklahoma in touches. Yeah, you, you know what I, you know what I mean? Like I I don't think that's unfair. Like I I'm really happy the guy played well. But I mean, especially with the how significant of a margin he led the team in touches. Who is that do you think there's is that guy on roster? I don't know, man. I mean, Major certainly looked good some of those plays. Like he had a couple huge plays in the fourth quarter, right? Catching the ball. He seems to be he seems to be uh much better on the perimeter than he is in traffic. Yeah, it's like he doesn't see it well yeah. in between the tackles. Agree. It's like, okay, let's get him out in space. Mm-hmm. Right? This is what Which they is, did. It's a little counterintuitive because of the size and you kind of think of him as a bruiser, but he's, he tends to be a little bit better when he gets outside in some space. Yeah. No, but I I mean, did you see anything from the running back position? I'm not trying to make it sound like Tawi Walker didn't play well. He did. No, and he was really good in some blitz pickup situations, right? But you think of, I mean, you're talking Adrian Peterson, Joe Mixon, like you're thinking those type, DeMarco Murray, like those guys – I mean, Tommy Walker is just not that guy. Here's what I think you're saying, maybe. Correct me if I'm wrong. We watched 
we watched Alabama play Texas, and there were stars all over the place. Correct. At wide out, at tight end, at running back, and it 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 does feel like a little bit of, and I don't know if it's just the style of the first couple of games or or what, but there's this. It feels like we we're we're going to be overwhelmed with star power if we don't have some guys emerge pretty quickly and find good creative ways to get them the ball in some areas that take advantage of their skills. Yes. A great summation of my thoughts. Is that a word summation? That's a word, right? Yeah. Okay. Javante Barnes had three touches. I, whatever, whatever he has to do throughout the week to earn more than three touches you better figure it out because that's not an accident. He didn't all of a sudden become less talented than Tawi Walker. So whatever he's got to do to figure out, and I don't know, I haven't asked. Whatever he's got to do to earn more plays, right? Earn more snaps, earn more touches. Young man's got to figure it out. So we'll see. But yeah, the lack of the lack of a dynamic playmaker at running back concerns me. Yeah. I mean, what we, what we have in depth, we kind of lack right now in overall playmaking. And maybe as, as Sawchuck kind of feels like he was, he's going to be that guy and maybe he's still just working back from that, that injury and and he's going to emerge i don't know but i i tend to agree we need him to emerge (laughs) we need a dude man yeah right so we'll see all right wide receivers i thought drake stoops battled right really didn't have a bunch of opportunities had one what was that third down catch really nice play Uh, appreciate him battling through the shoulder right it's tough dude andrell anthony that's that's the easiest touchdown he's ever going to catch. <laughs> yeah. Now it it's interesting because it kind of looks like they were building off some of the the speed out RPO stuff that they've been doing, but it shouldn't have been that easy. Like that's just a bust yeah. for SMU. But a nice little wrinkle, right? Maybe is the best way to describe it. They're off a concept that they used last week and a little this week. Um now, Andrew Anthony, he is starting to get some respect, right? When it comes to his speed, they could have thrown 15 slants to the guy, right? With how with how SMU's corners were pedaling when they were on him. But, you know, they hit him a few times, right? Uh, I'd like to see him be able to do a little more with it after the catch in those situations, right? And that's him and that's ball placement from Dylan Gabriel as well. Mm-hmm. but he kind of so far through two games, he kind of looks like the go-to guy at wide receiver, right? I agree. Yeah. Yep. He's, he's got that great burst, great speed. And, um, he just, they, I hope that they continue to find a little bit more variety for him. You know, like he, 
when the route tree right now seems to consist of a slant or a deep ball, which both of those are incredibly effective, um, you know, as a wide or as a corner, rather, you're going to be able to dial in on those things. And obviously the more film you put out there, the more people are going to dial in on it. So I, 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 I feel like that's kind of maybe an overall, uh, something that we need as a, as an offense is a little bit more variety in the passing game in general. Yeah. Now, Jalil Farouk had a couple of really nice plays, right? Uh, maybe the biggest play of the football game, right? Nice individual effort on the touchdown, showing the elusiveness. And here's where I'm at with Farouk through two games. Get the guy the ball. Find ways to get him the ball in space. I know he's he's not the fastest guy. He's not a guy that's going to run by people, but I feel like we have a big enough sample size, Ted. If you get him the ball in space, he's best when he has the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Right, That's when he's at his best. Yards after the catch. Making guys miss, Right, running through arm tackles. Find ways to get him the football in those situations. And right now, they just have not found – they haven't – found enough situations to get him the ball. I think that's something that they need they need to think long and hard about moving forward, right? Cuz he he's pretty damn dynamic after he catches it. Yeah. I agree. I I think that he I mean that the play he made on that touchdown, really nice to avoid the initial tackle and then sticking the the foot in the ground and avoiding the the final safety was great and you know, we really saw that emerge from him last year in the Texas game whenever they were forced to get the ball in his hands, uh, you know, really playing it without a quarterback, and he did some really nice things. Uh, very small sample size, obviously, but, yeah, I I, I think I agree on that. I, he he needs to, be, needs to be a little bit more active in the uh, the extended run game plays, I guess is the best way to put it. The bubbles, the tunnels, some of those easy throws. Yeah, I'm with you. And then – as far as any other wide receivers, like Gavin Freeman had a bad drop, and then Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson, did those guys even play? Very limited. Uh, a- handful Anderson, of snaps? Anderson played a handful of snaps. I think Jaden Gibson uh, played a handful. We saw zero. Pedway was not in the game at all. I mean, what's going on there? No. You, you think about the level of talent of those guys – Right after what we saw a week ago, the thought process was okay, how can you get them more snaps? How can you get them more opportunities? And once again, I don't know what's going on in the practice field. I'm not in the meetings, but I know Nick Anderson's the best looking wide receiver on the football team. I just, that's where it kind of goes back to what we talked about at the running back spot. It's like, where are the dynamic playmakers? Do we have any? Yeah. That's and like Anderson and Gibson, they showed a little bit last week. And then you don't build on it at all. Nope. Now coaches are not in the business of not playing the good players. I know that. So what the hell's going on? Uh, Emma Jones didn't say, you know what? You guys did great last week. I'm not playing you. That's not how it works. So what's going on Sunday through Friday to where Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson aren't earning more snaps? I just, 
Because when you talk about the physical skill set, the gifts, those guys need to be on the field more. Yep, I agree. Make it and make have, sense to me, Ted, because as no, I watched it, I was like, where where are four and one? Where are the big, good-looking guys? I don't know because, you know, that's the thing that Coach Venable said. It, I can't remember if it was last Monday at Rudy's or the, the very first one that – if if you've earned twenty percent of the snaps, you need to be. You need to play those guys twenty percent of the snaps. This is Venables and uh, you know talking about how how he discussed it with the position coaches. The guy has earned fifty percent of the snaps. He needs to play fifty percent of the snaps. Someone's earned thirty percent. He needs to play thirty. And I would guess that Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, earned more than four percent of the snaps. But I don't know. This is where I'm confused. There was quite a bit, not not a ton, but you know, you've got some snaps of 12 personnel as we transition to talk transition to talk about the tight ends. This team does not have talented tight ends. Now, Blake Smith, hey, nice play on the touchdown. Nice catch. Right? I like the guy. The guy does the dirty work. Right, split zone, zone insert, like picking up the trash and some of the Max Pro stuff. He's a better player than I thought he was, right? Yeah. And I thought he played a decent. Now, you're talking about like we don't have Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews and we don't have Braden Willis. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I, I mean, we don't. So that's what I'm saying. It's like you think about some of the the wide receivers that are getting very few snaps. And meanwhile, you're rolling out two tight end sets with two guys that I, I I don't think are going to be NFL players. So that's where I just, uh, some of the stuff, like that's where I look at it and I go, okay, what, what am I missing? You know, like, why are you going to that instead of getting Gibson and Anderson snaps right and that's where and it's like stogner i mean he's got to play with better hands in the running game he sticks his face in there but his hands are outside 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 i mean guys just playing in his chest because of his hand placement he's got to be better right blake smith that dude plays hard i like it but he's just a guy at tight end that's what he is let me ask you, is I mean, I'm not saying this is right, or I'm just asking, is this maybe we're trying to develop that package more for later in the season, and that's why we're running it more now? I, I don't know. Is that is there something to that, perhaps? I don't know. I, I think there's something to being able to play in multiple personnel groupings, right? And getting certain looks that you want. Like if you get in 12 and you get in certain formations and you really like some of the angles in the run game or some of the matchups it creates outside, like some of the coverages it dictates, then you go to that stuff, right? That makes total sense. But like you're going to 12 personnel and with the way that they run some of this tight zone stuff, I mean, it's cutting back and Blake Smith and Austin Stogner are the key block on the play. 
like their combination. That's that's not how I would draw it up. So that's where I I, I I'm a little confused. That's where it just like I, and I've heard Levy talk about it a lot. Like get your playmakers the ball in space, right? Blake Smith and Austin Stogner are not playmakers. They're just not. So why, why aren't you trying to get guys like Gavin Freeman and Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson out on the field and get those guys the ball in space? You know, the, the, I. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, do I sound crazy? I maybe I'm maybe I'm off base here. No, maybe I'm just not seeing it the same way other people are seeing it. You're you're on base, hundred percent. That's that's on point. I and I think that's I think a lot of people had the kind of the same question, you know, where it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good, and it was the whole time we're waiting on things to open up a bit and start creating a little bit of space and and letting the guys run around a little bit. I don't know. It it almost feels like our at times uh, like our secret weapon is speed. As far as uh, what I mean speed is like how quickly we can get up there and snap it instead of how how can we arrange things in order to get the guys a, the ball with with space and areas to work uh how can we create a running game with space and areas for the backs to work and sometimes i think we just rely on getting up there and snapping it quick and that is going to create the space well let me tell you buddy <laughs> there was very little space in the running game again yeah. right now a couple explosive runs Right, Tawi Walker's really nice. Right, breaking tackles that that that's good stuff. But this is where I'm at with the running game. I think they are they're too caught up in the window dressing. There are there's just shit going everywhere on all these run concepts. There's split action. There's ghost motion. DG's faking the pitch. Then he's handing it. The wide receiver is faking like he's catching it from DG. There's this stuff happening everywhere. And it just creates an unbelievable amount of congestion in the box. And one of the things now, I have two main thoughts on this. I'm I'm all for being complex with your running game. Okay. But this seems like a lot of stuff, man, when you're playing SMU. And there's all these moving parts. There's orbit motion. There's ev- like there's everything that the defense is seeing. But one of the reasons I'm not a huge fan of it is the offensive line appears to not know where they're going a lot of the time because the picture is changing so much at the snap. Guys working to the same backer. Guys unsure of what backer they're working to. Guys not coming off the ball. Their eyes are looking all over the place. Because there's a new – every time you bring a motion across, there's a new backer that you have to work to because they're adjusting to the motion. I mean, right. they're running split zone with a ghost motion the other way where the wide receiver's acting like he's getting the ball and the defense is just like 
there's a lot going on, man. And sometimes you just need to line up, maybe motion a guy, let him get set, let your offensive line get a clear picture of what's going on. Point and say, there is the down safety. We are going to that guy. You guys are working your double teams off of the guy I'm telling you I'm going to. And then you knock their ass off the ball. Sometimes it's that simple, man. And I just feel like the the picture's so unclear. Now, there's also some of these where, man, some of these alignment, you got to turn into football players. If you're running split zone, right, and you are the center and the front side guard, right, and there is nobody standing in the B-gap, there is no B-gap defender, and the backers are bumped backside, there is someone that is coming from somewhere to fit the B-gap. That's where you need to go. You may not know who it is, but he's going to be there. That's where the term zone blocking comes from, right? You and go that's block the problem. It's zone. just like they don't zone. It's not zone. Can't call it zone. They're, the, the center is high-legging on the front side of what they're doing. It's not zone blocking. It's not. You can call it tight zone all you want. It's like almost, I, I don't even know. But it doesn't create space. Now, SMU's D-line, that starting group is a good group. Mm-hmm. We told you. It's a good group. And SMU's interior, especially 40 and 6, they won the battle against OU's interior. They won the battle. Now, we can go through each guy, but there's just way, there's way too many snaps of the offensive line looking confused as to where they're working in the running game. And you get stuffed on multiple third and fourth and shorts, right? Not good. But yeah, man, just before we talk about any pass protection stuff, like the run game, I feel like you can just simplify it, right? Simplify some things. Let your guys play with some velocity off the ball. It's like they don't know where they're going because there's so much happening. It's strange. Like, it's just, it's strange to watch. So much happening. It's so fast. Like, that's the other part that I, whenever you, like, if you're just watching the the replay of the game, like, when it's in live action, there's such a rush to get it up there and happen so fast, like, barely in your stance and the motion's going before you, you know, even have a chance to figure out where you're working. Yeah. All right, just. Hitting guys individually quickly. Uh, Walter Rouse battled against a good player. Right? They got a couple good edge players. I think Elijah Roberts, uh, I think he's an NFL player. Now, had a hold, had a false start. Clearly not ideal. But other than that, thought he battled well. Wasn't perfect, right? Lost some reps, but that's what happens when you play against good players. Right? You lose reps. Right? They get your ass. Every like That happens. Savion Bird. Oh boy. A lot of people thought I was tough on him last week. There's a reason. There's a reason I was tough on him. 
He played the first 13 plays of the game. I had him down for six minuses and then a double minus on the sack he gave up. We did not see him back in the game until play 61. So if you're wondering at home, I had, according, and I charted it, and this may be a snap or two off, seven to eight offensive snaps. Savion, Savion played 31. Uh, Troy Everett played 47. Come on, 59. Got to figure it out. Playing with way too much forward lean, just getting pulled, not bringing his feet, lazy with his hands, no violence, none. Just getting on guys and just kind of hoping, hoping you block them. Leaning on them. It's a violent position, man. You got to strike people or you ain't blocking anybody. Anybody. Just it doesn't matter how big, strong, gifted you are. You got to play with technique at this level. Bottom line, here's the hoping he figures it out, Ted. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's it's not going to get easier. Um, we're going to face some really good defensive lines in the in the future, and we we got to have the O line, man. That's we we got to have it. We got to have some physicality in there. Troy Everett played a lot of snaps. I just, I like the effort he plays with. I really do. He just does not have the explosiveness or the strength at the point of attack, right? He's a center. He's a center. Now, I, he had quite a bit of trouble with their starting defensive tackles, right? Getting any movement on those guys in the run game when they had to bring their backups in, he fared a lot better, right? But when he wasn't part of a double team, which I think he he understands angles in the double teams and how long he can stay on a double team in the proper time to come off, like he he has some football intelligence there, which is good. But when he wasn't part of a double team, when it's like he's on an island, whether it's pass protection or kind of one on one drive blocking with some of the way that some of the things that they do, it just he he lost lost a lot of battles. But I, I can I can roll with the guy that plays his ass off and knows what he's doing. He'll get better. He'll get better. He he needs he needs to get stronger and heavier, right? If he's gonna play guard. <laughs> well, uh, time is short for that this season. Yes. Andrew Rame. Apparently, I just can't say nice things about him. I. Now, he had some nice moments, okay? But in the run game, I talked about I talked about some of the tight zone stuff that they do where he's high-legging, meaning like his play side, the direction he is working in the tight zone concept, his play side leg, he is putting it up and you almost get into like a gallop. You see it from NFL teams that run duo a lot, right? It's a concept, kind of the, a gallop technique. Mm-hmm. And the problem is defensive linemen move. <laughs> and he he just did not do a great job of redirecting, right? It turned into more of a hop. And it just, I don't know, it's just a, it, it, it's an odd technique, right? It, he doesn't get to play with a lot of velocity coming off the ball. He's kind of just throwing shoulders, not using his hands. You know, it just, I, I thought there was quite a bit, quite a bit of confusion right, when it came to who they were targeting in the run game, right, and ultimately that's on him. 
right? You got to get everyone on the same page. Got to know where you're going. Got to get a hat on a hat, right? That's that's how you get explosive runs. But as well as he played a week ago, I thought I did not think he played well in this football game. And you know, just I I don't really think anyone on the interior played well, honestly. So they were playing against good players, especially you know those starters. Those are good players, but it just it didn't seem like the communication was there. It didn't like they didn't play well together, which bothers me. Is that is is that high legging technique that he is that something that's taught? Is he? Or is oh yeah, that, yeah. So and I understand that. it. Yeah, you know me, but once again. Everyone needs to remember as I discuss all this stuff, I am I am as an I am an adamant lover of true zone blocking in the run game. And they do not they don't really true zone block on the front side. Yeah. So I I think it's it is what it is, right? I it is what it is. Now McKay Matoyer, I did not think he played particularly well either, especially in the run game. Uh, normally he is the guy that I can look to. It's like, okay, I know he knows exactly where he's going on each snap. There was some indecision from him. That was kind of just across the board with all the moving parts, right? And now one thing about McCade, never question his effort. Guy plays hard, plays really hard. But this was one of those games, right? The lack of length, the lack of explosiveness, um, just showed his limitations, right? Playing against a couple good players, right? Got pulled. Um, just, I, I think that's that's the best way to describe it. It's like his physical limitations as a player showed up in this game. And he, I once again, did not think he played particularly well. Well, that's tough. Um that's kind of, I guess, with the starters, 0 for 3 on the interior for playing well. thought the interior played pretty shitty. Yeah. I thought the tackles were solid, right? I thought Guyton was the best of them. thought Rouse, uh, you know, Rouse played winning football. I had a couple of bad negative plays, but, you know, once again, it happens when you play against good players. I thought Guyton played the best. I, if I'm criticizing Tyler... I'd like to see him finish in better positions in pass protection and in the run game, right? Or maybe the best way to put it is I'd like to see him finish in more control of his defender, right? Two hands on the guy in between him and the ball carry, like that type of stuff. Now, you can't play a million miles an hour every play. That's just unsustainable, especially with the tempo that they're playing with. But one thing, like the next step for him in the run game if he can learn to use defensive linemen's momentum against them, right, as opposed to always just trying to cut everything off, right, there's a saying in the offensive line community, take them farther than they want to go. It's where you kind of, you can tort guys and he can use that length and power. I think that's kind of the next next step for him as a player. Now, he did have the biggest mental error of the game. Took a touchdown off the board, right? That is not an RPO. That is a called play action. He went downfield on that. That's a mistake you cannot make. Now, luckily, they were able to go punch it in again. 
but just you cannot make that air. And he even, even ran back towards the line of scrimmage, which was pretty hilarious to watch on tape, but cannot make that mistake. But I, I continue to think, you know, he, he can be a special player. Yeah. So I thought the tackles were solid, right? Playing against a couple good players. I thought the guys in the interior lost the battle. Hmm. Is that kind of how you saw it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. A, a lot of uh, the running game, it, it, you know, there were some exceptions, but a lot of it felt like a, there was just a big giant stalemate going on. And, you know, at times we were able to find some, some gaps in that and run through some tackles and maybe make a guy miss to create some space and, and get going. But yeah, uh, a lot of stalemate, not still not a lot of space and not a lot of velocity. They are terrible at running outside zone. Not, not, oh, they're okay. Oh, they're bad. They're terrible at it. It's two weeks in a row where I watch them. I'm just like, oh. But it's only a handful of snaps, right? It's hard to get good at something like that. That is. It's, it's just, it's almost like it's all, it's so flat. There's no dent on the front side. There's no stretch. There's, it's just. Makes me sad. You know what it does? It makes me sad to watch it. That's what it does. <laughs> it's my favorite play in the entire sport. Uh, All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys your number one takeaway from OU's win over SMU. This first one comes from Michael Mann. He says, continued growth of the defense. Outside of some drive extending penalties, the defense mostly bent without breaking. Forcing the turnovers was huge. Giving up 11 points in the first eight quarters is a definite step in the right direction. I'm not sure they win this one last season. I agree. I I agree. You know, that that is one of the things that you, we came away from this game feeling good about is, uh, yeah, I, I the defense got to stop whenever they needed to, played well whenever they needed to. Um, you know, did give up some yards, but forced a couple of turnovers. The one by Harrington sealed the deal. Um, offensively, long bouts of, of you know, stagnation, not doing a whole lot. But when things got tight and they needed to crank it up, they were able to answer the call. Uh, that's true. Now, we're going to play better and better teams as we move forward. So, there needs to be a lot of improvement with this squad. Yeah. No doubt. This other one comes from Dad in the Game at BB Nayring, I think. Sorry if that's wrong. He says, offense makes no sense. Jaden Gibson, Petaway, Stogner, not using our best players. Major should not be the starting running back. He's good out in space on running back pass plays. Defense looks better, but still soft on 10 to 15 yard passes and D-line still not getting to the quarterback is a major concern. I agree with some of that and disagree with some of that, but a lot of thoughts from our man there. Most of that is a, a, I agree with it, but the, the quarter get, not getting the quarterback thing. It's just not true. From my perspective, the way teams are blocking it up front, it's just not true. When they are blocking four guys with seven guys, and then they also have the eighth throwing the ball. We are winning that battle. There you have it. We're winning that battle. There you have it. That means they've got 
like very few against a lot of guys playing zone. Now we got to get better in some of our zone drops and get like if we get more detailed on the back end and our zone drops and people have to continue to block our four with seven players, we're going to play really good defense. Yeah. All right, birthday shout outs. Welcome to the world, Baker Nolan Fazalaro, Fazalero, Fazalaro. Fazalero. I is isn't it a double Z? Is that like a Fazalaro? Fazalaro. <laughs> Nailed it. Happy first birthday to Evander Powell. Happy fifth birthday to Cinder and Maverick Capshaw. Happy seventh birthday to Ooh, I don't even know. Teague? Teague? Tyga? Tyga, Teague, Big Handsome, Muir. We tried. Happy birthday to Big Handsome. Happy birthday, Big Handsome. Happy 10th birthday to Cora Mason. Happy 19th birthday to Jacob Roby. Happy 24th birthday to Tan Tan Beasley. Happy 64th birthday to Pat King. Happy upcoming birthdays to Belinda Clark and Spencer Clark. And shout out to at Casey Capshaw for setting the YouTube super thanks record last week. That was big time. Yeah. How about that? And then shout out to at Rich LaHoo 9008 swooped in and set a new record like 10 minutes afterwards. That was very cool. We appreciate you guys. That was awesome. Thank you guys. Seriously, that was we we never expected anyone give that give us super thanks on YouTube. So that was actually pretty cool. We were pretty fired up. That was very cool. We appreciate you guys. All right, let's recap some of the biggest games of week two in college football. But first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated. They have nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a new used car from them. Then all you have to do is get all the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Hey, you guys hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. Food is fantastic, and it's the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. Went and got a bison burger before the game. 
on Saturday at the one on Main Street. Ran into a couple people that listened to the pod, Ted. Very nice. Very nice. Number 11, Texas. Went to number three, Alabama. And they whooped that ass. Mm -hmm. And we are stupid, stupid idiots. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Texas was the better team. Texas was the more explosive team. Texas was the more disciplined team. Texas was the better coached team. Quinn Ewers was by far the better quarterback on the field. And Texas went to Tuscaloosa and gave Bama their first double-digit loss on that field since 2004. That pretty much sum it up, Ted. That's impressive. It's impressive, and frankly, from what I saw, Alabama's lucky the score ended up what it was. You are correct, sir. If it wasn't for a couple of uh, beautifully thrown, I will admit, but deep balls, like, they had nothing. They had nothing going. Yeah, the I thought Texas, you know, as we were talking earlier, they utilized their star power tremendously. Running game was great. They got the uh, Jatavian Sanders kid involved a ton. Uh, I w- it was I wanted to slam my head into the the table where I was watching because I continued to watch guys just have no awareness whatsoever on Alabama's defense for uh, like the tight end screen. It's it, this is like a newsflash. I know it's not our target audience, but if you ever find yourself as a defensive tackle and you are completely and totally unblocked. They whiff on you. They're doing it on purpose. You need to stop, turn around, and go find the guy with the football. That's known as a screenplay. No idea it was happening, um, but credit Texas. I They looked really good defensively. Their D-line got after Alabama's offensive line's ass. Alabama's left tackle is the slowest person on the planet. Um that was that was a beatdown, an impressive beatdown. I I just want people to be mentally prepared. Texas is going to be showered with praise, including by myself. And they absolutely deserve it. This is one of the more impressive performances I can remember in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Right. When you talk about going and playing in a hostile road environment and just beating that team's ass. It was like even the most cynical person, right? You have to acknowledge, yeah, us, <laughs> us. You got to acknowledge that that's one hell of a win, man. And this is where I'm at with it. It's really hard to go undefeated, okay? So I'm not, I'm not going to say that. But with what I saw, and I went back and watched every snap of this game, Texas can play for a national title. They're that good at the line of scrimmage. The O-line that really alarmed me a week ago against Rice, they were they were really solid. Now, neither team could really run it efficiently, so it came down to quarterback play, pass protection, and then dynamic playmakers at the skill positions. And Texas was way better at quarterback. Credit to Quinn Ewers. I questioned, we questioned whether he could go into an environment like that and play at a high level. It's exactly what the young man did. Mm-hmm. He was great. 
he and he the thing that impressed me the most like he played quarterback there's a physical way to play quarterback and it means standing in the pocket taking some shots and delivering the ball accurately in the face of all that it's what he did so that like you mentioned Texas defensive line was after Milrow all night he was under a lot of pressure. He made some critical mistakes with the football that Quinn Ewers did not make. Had a couple, oh, Milrow had a couple of terrible interceptions. Mm-hmm. But I I was really impressed with what I saw from the Longhorns. That is a damn good football team. I agree. Uh, Sarkeesian has an excellent offense, and he is – they're, they are going to continue to recruit really well because his offense, in my opinion, most closely resembles an NFL offense from what I see in college football with the style of play that they have, the style of run game, the style of, of passing plays. It's not – college offenses can get really gimmicky, and it's not gimmicky. It's just – it's designed well – to get the ball into the playmaker's hands. It's re- it's really, you know, he, he, he uses shifts and motions a lot, but not, it's not just to do it. It's to create something. And I don't know. They, they've got some, they got some good ball players and um, you know, I, I think there's some weaknesses of their team. I, I think the Sanders kid is JT Sanders is a receiver. He ain't tied in. That dude does not want to block at all. And I think that's a big weakness in their in their team and in their running game. But he makes up for it in how difficult he is to cover down the field. That's gonna be it's gonna be a very, very tough game in October. Yep. We got right now, there's a lot of space between the two teams. Tough feels for sure. Right, with what we've seen up to this point now. Dude, I'm with you on Sarkeesian. He may be the best in the country when it comes to finding favorable matchups for his best players and getting them the ball in space. I th- it, the, the discussion is him and Lincoln Riley. That's the discussion. But, uh, I mean, it was big play after big play in this one, for the, what, whether it was A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, J.T. Sanders. Like they found multiple ways to get all of those guys the ball in space and get them one on one matchups. And credit to Texas, right? It was about the fourth quarter. We all know how how much trouble they've had finishing games in Sarkeesian's first two seasons, right? Bama was up what sixteen to thirteen heading into the fourth. Here it comes. Texas is going to show. They're going to choke. They're going to lose another one-score game. All they did was whoop Bama's ass from that point on. Yep. Pretty impressive, right? And you cannot be one of these people that said, oh, there's no way they go down there to Bama and win. And then after the fact, go, well, that's not not a Bama team. Right? Milrose stinks. Listen, you you can't say both. Bama's still got NFL players all over the place. And Texas went down there, and they were the better football team. Give them their credit. 
Yeah. Big moment in that game was the the fumble. Fumbled snap on that fourth down. Sometimes you need a little luck, Ted. Yeah, and like that could have been a major turning point in the game because I think at that point it was 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 it was it twenty seven twenty four at that point? I can't remember exactly what the score was, but it was a big moment in the game and Texas running back comes in, picks it up, they reviewed it. I was up there in the booth saying, nope, it's coming back. Can't fumble it on fourth down for and convert a first. But he never had possession of the ball. So I guess technically it was a backwards pass. Like that was a big moment in that game. And Texas was able to take advantage of it. And um I I I hate saying it, but they they look they looked apart. This is the best Texas has looked since I can remember. Now, it's one game. They didn't look good in week one. Um, you know, there were portions of this game where they didn't look great, but, they're, you know, you have to consider some of that is the opponent. We'll see if they can keep it up. Like, one of the things Texas has never been very good at is handling success. So, we'll see how they handle this. Um, but, you know, coming away from it, I, I say Texas looks the part. That's a, that's a contender. I'm with you. Moving on to a team that does not look the part. Texas A&M goes to Miami, goes to everyone knows hard rock stadium is one of the toughest places to play in the country. Tough, tough place to play with what? Like 60% capacity or whatever it was. They go down, get out to an early lead and get run off the field in the second half. They lose 48-33 to Miami. And, you know, Miami like fell in a 10-point hole early, battled back. And that felt like a massive win for Mario Cristobal, man, yeah. as he rebuilds that program. And like, ooh, both of boy. those teams really needed it, right? It felt like, yeah. And, man, you thought Aggie fans were on Jimbo Fisher's ass before. My goodness, the way that this one unfolded. The noise is getting very, very loud in College Station. That's why I always tell everyone it's fun to root against Texas A&M just because it's a, a you know what show constantly, and it's kind of watch the uh, fun to watch the circus. But I, I always say like you don't want them to be too bad. You don't want them to actually fire Jimbo Fisher because you never know whenever if they make the right hire next, right? You want them to have con- continue. You know it's not the right hire with Jimbo. You want them to continue and flounder around at like eight and five, something like that every year, just good enough to keep the job. Uh, you, you just never know who that next hire is going to be and what they could possibly do with, with all the talent that they have there. Yeah. Now, if you're Mario Cristobal in Miami, right, that's the type of win that creates the buy-in. Right? Like, guys, you – this is what we've been telling you, right? And now, and now you can look to this game and say, "Hey, let, let's keep pushing, let's move forward." But I, I really did think both quarterbacks played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Wigman, he had the two interceptions, but the first and I Smith just falls down, so he throws it right to his safety. And then the other one, he's just trying to make a play late in the game. If there's one thing Texas A&M fans could take away from this game and be excited, excited, it's the way that he looked, I I thought he looked pretty damn good. Now, 
Tyler Van Dyke, Tyler Van Dyme. <laughs> that dude had himself a day, man. A couple of fantastic throws in this game. Impre- he had some impressive touch throws. But really, and this this surprised me because I thought very highly of AM's skill guys coming into this game. Miami's skill guys, I really thought, is what separated them in the football game. Like their ability to do something with the football after the catch, whether it was Restrepo or Jacoby George on that huge play in the fourth quarter. Colby Young, I thought, yeah, that's a big, impressive wide receiver. Like I thought the big explosive plays where guys did something after the catch when their ball in the hands, it, it, with their with the ball in their hands, I thought it was, I thought advantaged by a lot to Miami. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there was some there was some nice talent on the field. There were some really nice playmakers, really on both sides. Um, you know, early. I thought A&M, it felt like it was maybe going to run away with the thing. The first, you know, uh, as the game got going, they were making some really nice plays. Wegman was making some nice throws. And Miami just hung around, kept fighting. They made some mistakes early, weathered the storm. And A&M just, as the pressure mounted, fell apart. It's not typical to win by 15 when you get a punt blocked that leads to a touchdown and you muff a punt return. And it well, you can to stop at the punt blocked. It's not typical to win, period, when you get a punt blocked for a touchdown. That oh, that almost always ends in you losing the game. Yeah. Tough. Nice win for nice win for Miami, though. Big, very big. Big moment for them. They needed that. Yeah, a bit of a feels like a bit of a crossroads. For Texas A&M in that program after that one. We'll uh we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Not an easy schedule for the mm-hmm. Aggies. We'll uh we'll see. What a shame. Well, I I know that the the fireworks with Jimbo Fisher will be worth the wait, you know. That'll be fun. No matter what happens, like he gets very defensive really quickly and the press conferences are worth the listen. I love that. <laughs> He talks faster and faster the more uh, numbers they have in the L column. Do you want to? Do you want to make bets on a date where he takes over play calling from Bobby Matrino? God, I that I don't. I just I, I want to see that happen on live TV because Bobby Petrino may be one of the more difficult people on the planet to deal with, and I that's just going to be a disaster. Yeah. If you're going to go down, you're going to go down called plays, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Last game I want to hit. Nebraska went to Colorado and got smacked, man. Coach Prime and the Buffaloes did it again. 36-14 ends up being a blowout, man. And it looked like we had ourselves a ball game in the first half. But my goodness, Nebraska, how many mistakes can one team make in a two-week span? Wow. It's incredible. It's incredible. You know, it's it's tough to play football when anytime you drop back pass, you there's like a 70% chance your quarterback's going to turn the ball over. It's tough. The only thing you can do is not pass. <laughs> I, I thought the play calling in the first half was insane. <laughs> Just run the ball, man. Where's all the QB run? They're 
they're, they dialed up a couple of QB draws for Sims, and the dude just takes off and looks incredible. Why yeah. aren't you doing a lot of it? I, the the pat like when you truly pass the ball that should be like the big like whoa they threw it unbelievable yes stuff. should run it every play they it, just keep changing personnel keep changing formations and run the same stuff over and over just window dress all of it I thought that they were going to turn it into a bar fight mm-hmm. right shorten the game <laughs> was it zero zero at half I left right before halftime and I think it was still zero zero no 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 no. That means you missed. Oh boy, did you miss some stuff, pal? <laughs> Jeff Sims threw one of the worst interceptions you've ever seen, right? And then Shadur Sanders throws a strike. I think it was the next play. Deep over route for a touchdown. Beautiful ball. That guy is accurate as hell, man. Yeah. Touchdown. 10-0 Colorado. Like, uh, and it was, it felt insurmountable at that put at that point. And, and and we'll get to Colorado. But the Nebraska side of things, that offense, like it's tough to watch. Sims is a turnover machine, dude. He dropped, and as a former center, like there is nothing more frustrating to me than a quarterback dropping a perfect gun snap. Like it's perfect, man. He dropped two of them, fumbled them around. Colorado recovered both of them. Oh. Right in the belly. Just boom. And one, I mean, it's the first drive of the game. Like, they got a bunch of momentum. They're putting a nice first drive together. It takes points off the board. The other one led to the Colorado's first points of the day, led to a field goal. Right? And then (laughs) he drops the snap. Colorado covers. Ends up kicking a field goal. The next possession throws a horrible interception. Leads to their touchdown. Yeah, I mean, this is two weeks in a row. He has cost his football team the game. And the play calling, I don't know what do you, I, I don't know what they're doing. Just run the ball. Turn it into just a complete fight at the line of scrimmage. Run Sims 20 times. Uh, it, they just thought they were going to get into track meet with Colorado. Hey, let's spread them out. Let's check it around. It's so strange, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I just it, it's a tough world to live in where your quarterback's dropping snaps, throwing interceptions, and I you got to if you don't have anyone else to play, I you can't take the dropping snaps away from him. I you just I guess hope he gets better at that, but you can take the interception part away from him. Just run the ball. Run the ball and punt it, right? It's better to run the ball and punt it than give them the ball with great field position on a turnover. I can only imagine what that locker room was at. It was like at halftime. That Nebraska defense just looking at the guys on offense going, seriously? I mean, seriously? It Now, this is two weeks in a row. We will have said this. Colorado was the better team. They were the better coached team. They were the more disciplined team. That stuff matters, man. And it's really impressive. All those new pieces, new staff, that team plays disciplined football. We'll see how the rest of the season goes, right? But Shadur Sanders is really damn good. He's very accurate. 
he's mobile in the pocket. He extends plays. The two-point conversion, that was sweet. Like buying time, buying time, didn't just strike. They've got playmakers, and this week it was different guys than last week for the most part, right? Xavier Weaver goes off. Travis Hunter continues to just be, <laughs> dude, it's awesome. He's crazy. But Travars Dawson scores a couple touchdowns, right? Has a receiving touchdown, has a rushing touchdown. There's like a couple different guys this week for him. They got yeah. a bunch of dudes that can play at the skill spots, man. It's, they're fun to watch. I enjoy yeah. watching them play. They're finding ways to get him the ball. How about that? Finding ways to get him the ball. Um, you know, create some some opportunities for him. I'm telling you, it's it's interesting to watch, man. Um, I never thought I would be. I and I know we've talked about this, but I I always laughed right whenever Sanders said he wanted to be a head coach. But ever since he's, I mean, since almost day one, whenever I actually listened to what he had to say and how he was going to run his program. I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed with what he's done. And, um, he's going to get a big job somewhere. I don't know where it's going to be. Texas A&M, something like that, but he's going to get a big job. Deion Sanders, what his name means in the state of Texas. You combine that with A&M's resources. Ooh, boy. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, that's an interesting thought. It's gonna happen. It's just it's it's just a timing thing. What big job happens to be open whenever you know? Whenever if Colorado puts together, I mean, if they're bowl eligible this year, he'll get a big one. If they're more than bowl eligible, like if they are competing for a Pac-12 championship. He'll get a really big one. I think he'll wait till his son and Travis Hunter can grad transfer and not have to sit out. How old are they? Are I they think going to the NFL? Uh, Travis Hunter's a true sophomore. Yeah, Sanders might. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I thought this was his third year. No. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah. I think I think it looks like he's having a lot of fun at Colorado. Yeah. I mean, Folsom Field looked awesome for that game. It did. It did. That, that was cool. It's awesome to see those places packed, man. It's great. Game day is coming there. I think big news going back for the third week. Right, third Colorado. Who can, who can have the, the games there, man? Give, give us all the Dion, all the Coach Prime. It's impressive, man. It really is. All right, let's yep. finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, if you have difficulty sitting for long periods. Why did I say sitting like that? Do you hear that? Yeah. It's very proper sitting. sitting. Do you have difficulty? Di- oh, here we go. I'm sorry, Dr. Brendan Johnson. I'm sorry. Here we go. And take two. Do you have difficulty sitting for long periods of time or can't lay on your side due to pain? Well, it's a hip thing. And the only person to go see is Dr. Brandon Johnson at the hip clinic in Oklahoma City. No matter your age, the hip clinic has the experience and knowledge to help ease your hip pain and preserve your hip joint. Don't let the pain hold you back any longer. Don't just accept a hip replacement. Call the hip clinic today at 844-KEEP-HIP or visit thehipclinicokc.com. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum 
That includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Ooh, I have to go with Washington State. Pulling off the win over Wisconsin. Told you that was a uh, sneaky game, man. Yeah, it was. And Coach Dickert using that opportunity to say we belong in a Power 5 conference. That was pretty cool. That was a big-time win. Um, I mean, I think Wisconsin's a a pretty good football team or going to be a pretty good football team this year. And it's funny that Washington State and Oregon State, the two teams that can't find a home are – Pretty dang good football teams this year. One one does not just walk into Pullman and walk out with a victory, okay? <laughs> yeah. In, in front of 30,000 screaming fans could be difficult, right? That that it was it looked insane, right? That looked like an awesome environment. And you know, those fans, I mean, they're putting their heart and soul into that thing right now. But yeah, man, g- great win and it just makes you wonder, Washington State, Oregon State, those teams probably each are going to knock someone off in the Pac-12 and we're all going to go, this conference is chaos. Like, it's coming. I I can almost guarantee it that those two teams, they're going to ruin someone's season. I just don't know who it is yet. Yeah. Well, you know, it's – um I think it, it kind of feels like everyone in the Pac-12 is going to ruin everyone's season. I, I think you and I both agree on that. That it's just a, uh, it's, it's just a mess waiting to happen. I, I think Colorado. I, I don't know yet. It's, it's hard to gauge where they're going to be as a football team, but they're definitely good enough to beat. I think anyone in the Pac-12 on a given weekend. You know, I. Who knows? I, I completely agree. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I had to go with uh, the Iowa offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz, because now they got the W, but he's still un- they still haven't scored the number that he's got to average for the entire season. What, the drive for 25 or whatever they're calling the drive it? Drive for 25. They got the win over Iowa State, uh, but still – can't get to that elusive 25 number and it makes you wonder how in the world they're ever going to average 25 throughout the season. You got to love it. They're not, but it doesn't matter because they're probably going to win a lot of games because that defense continues to be legit. Yep. And, uh, Kirk Ferentz, 200 wins. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Pretty impressive there. No, what he's... he's done, but it's still, it's so funny to watch because I don't know what their fan base thanks every week whenever they don't score points but it's uh it's interesting iowa state man they're really going to struggle on offense going to be good on defense they look good defensively but that offense with uh all those players out is is going to be a struggle yeah but hey the drive for 25 what they i think they scored 24 week one they're gonna have to rack some gate they're gonna have some rack some some points up at some point yeah because they're going to keep playing better and better teams and i and it's funny because 25 is that's not good 
No. They should have never made that public knowledge, by the way. I know. I don't I don't think 25 points a game even gets you in the top 50 in the country. No. I don't no. think. Yeah. Not today's day and age of football. <laughs> All right, let's finish up with my winner and loser. But first, elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment, Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that will give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They've also got the top top of the line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. They're Oklahoma owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-1722 or visit chapelsupply.com. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L supply.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Make your life easier, people, and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's opolisclothing.com, O-P-O-L-I-S, clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with our boy Baker Mayfield. Mm. Went and got a win, right? Even saw late in the game, lowers the shoulder for a key third down conversion. Like, hey, he's like, hey, this is my chance. I'm going and getting it. So that was, I was fired up for him, right? Thought he played well. I was I was fired up for him uh, to get that win there on the road in Minnesota. Also thought about going with the San Francisco 49ers. That team's a wagon, man. Easy I mean, way. they went to Pittsburgh and beat the hell out of the Steelers. Yep. Look I mean, good, that was good. a beat down. Purdy, yep, a couple fumbles, but solid. Except for that, McCaffrey, Ayuk, Debo, just weapon after weapon offensively, man. They got dudes. I even thought about going with Utah. Did you see the end of the Utah Baylor game? I did. That was crazy. Now, Credit to Nate Johnson, right? What is he, the third string guy? Took yeah. them on a 15-play drive. They go and tie the game. Okay, Sawyer Robinson, you got a chance to be a hero for your team. What was it, like third and 16? Horrible pick. Horrible pick. And then the grab-assery ensued. <laughs> Where It's the craziest officiated game I've seen at the end, maybe ever. I I have never seen I'm fully convinced Baylor was trying to let Utah score and Utah got called called for holding on the play. The officials would not let it happen. <laughs> and so they accepted that all right, we'll back them up. And Maybe they'll a, miss it the was field a goal. Horrible holding call, too. Yeah. Not the guy just hold. blocked the hell out of him. The guy wasn't even like resisting. He yeah. just had his hands up. He's like, oh no, you're blocking me. <laughs> and then I mean they end up having to push a Utah running back into the end zone and oh oh and two for the Baylor Bears how about that and two and oh for Utah without Cam Rising right yep. against two you know power five teams in Florida and Baylor like that, that's impressive stuff man yeah I'm I'm still it's weird 
because week one, Baylor obviously had you feeling like, oh, my God, they're going to be terrible. But Utah's a good football team, and they looked way better, but still unsure, like, what Baylor's actually going to be this year. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. But my winner of the weekend, Cleveland Browns. Big win. Stomped the Cincinnati Bengals. Sean Watson looked better. Nick Chubb is a monster. Miles Garrett is just a, end it. he is a joke of a human being. <laughs> he's such he's so good at football, but Brown's defense is the story, right? Mm-hmm. The Bengals had six first downs in this game. 142 yards of offense. And Joe Burrow looked like a guy that missed a ton of time in camp with an injury. Yeah. Right. But it's tough. What I mean, they're trying like they're still in desperation mode. I mean, they had a chance to get back into it late. Yeah. And, you know, they can't even get a pass off on fourth down. Burroughs getting sacked and, you know, by by Garrett. So uh, I don't know if it's offensive line issues or I mean Part of it is the Browns are just defensively that good. Garrett is incredible. So that was interesting. Browns lost a turnover battle 2-0 in that game too. Which in the NFL, it's a massive almost, deal. Almost impossible to win a game without winning the turnover margin. And not only did they win it, they beat the hell out of them. Yeah, that's crazy. That was uh, that was an eye-opener, a bit of an eye-opener. All right, for my yeah. loser of the weekend, Thought about going with Texas Tech. Ouch. Crazy. Awesome opportunity, right, to bounce back with a marquee win after the disappointment there in Laramie, the loss to Wyoming. You're right there, and you just don't finish the job, right? Just needed to finish the job against Oregon in the fourth quarter and couldn't. I mean, even have You don't even have to finish the job. Just... Just don't ruin the job, right? <laughs> Are you talking about from a gambling perspective? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, now, Tech had the ball, what, down one with over with a little over a minute to go. Just need to go get in field goal range, right? And Tyler Shuck gets hit, throws a pick right into, I think it was Bassa, Jeffrey Bassa's bread basket. He kind of hurdles Shuck, right? The smart play would have been to go down, right? That way you end the game. You take a knee, you end the game. Tech gets no chance. But he said, screw you, Texas Tech betters, and he takes it to the house. The Ducks cover. If you want to be a legend in Oregon lore, you take one to the house to cover the spread against Tech, baby. Yeah. That's it. That was uh, – that was- that was a tough one for those yeah. betting on tech because what they had like a nine point lead going into the fourth quarter. They, they, it's a hell of a bounce back. I mean, I, I didn't know what to think of tech after, you know, the week one game. I thought that Oregon, you know, I, I picked Oregon to win, but I thought it was going to be a little bit different, unfold differently than the way it did. Um, I thought Oregon is going to be able to have their way with them in the, in the running game on the line of scrimmage, but credit tech, man, it's, you know, they're, they're what they're and two right now, but that's still going to be a tough team in the big 12. Yeah. We'll see. One thing about that game, Tosh Brooks, six carries. Hmm. 
Strange. Strange. But my loser of the weekend, and this just kind of came down, Michigan State Athletic Director Alan Haller says that Mel Tucker has been suspended without pay pending the outcome of a Title IX investigation. Now, our buddy Brett McMurphy says that he has sources that say this is just a formality and that Mel Tucker has coached his last game at Michigan State. Uh, For those of you that don't know, we're not going to go into a bunch of details here because I know a lot of people listen with their kids. You can Google it, right, if you want kind of the nitty-gritty details of this whole thing. But basically, Ted, it seems like Mel Tucker's going to get fired for being a bit of a creep. That's crazy. I I say a bit of a creep, a a lot of a creep, not a bit, a a very – and to do it to a woman that travels around the country talking to football teams about sexual violence, that's up there on the stupid things to do scale. I'm just like – That's what I – it's just – It's beyond idiotic. beyond idiotic. And – Mel Tucker has been married to his wife for like 20 something years. That's crazy. Now I just, the whole thing is, well, I mean, dude, what are you, first of all, what, don't be such a weirdo, but like, what are you doing, man? Michigan state is, you know, I couldn't believe the contract they signed him to. And I, that made this decision really easy and really quick to be able to get out of that horrible contract with cause instantly. You know, Michigan State, they're not waiting around for anything. Yeah. Just a reminder, he signed a $95 million contract a couple years ago. Um, Now, we'll we'll see how the legal process plays out for Michigan State. Uh, My guess, an ugly legal battle ahead, but... You talk about some poor decision-making, man. Mm. You're getting paid a fortune to coach football, man. All you have to do is not be a creep. And it's guaranteed. And it's all guaranteed. Mm. I mean, wow. Brutal. Wow. Any, I, I don't think we'd have to say anything else about it, right? If you want to mo- want to know more details, kind of what happened, give it a Google, read the articles. I know. I'll give you the details of what happened. Ninety-five million just vanished into thin air for, for Mel Tucker. Gone. Whew. God, that's stupid. Wow. Brutal. On that note. Episode 352, and shout out to the person that let me know that I counted it wrong last episode. Thank you. I really was hoping no one would notice, and he did. Damn it. Episode 352 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop on Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great start to your week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Well, you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
just one more time.